Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Amen. Amen. Again, I'm so grateful to be with you all on today. Listen, if you don't mind, for those of you who are with us, if you can, if you don't mind standing just a brief second longer, grab your Bibles real quickly and go with me to 1 Thessalonians. I want to read one verse for you, maybe two verses for you out of 1 Thessalonians. It won't be on the screen, but if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Just follow along with my voice. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to look at verse 16. 17 and 18. So three verses, 16, 17, and 18. Again, for those who are watching online, we say thank you. Do me a favor, like, share, subscribe, whatever it is that you have to do on your platform. I'm praying that you do it. Get people in the room, share the link, invite them, and do me a favor. Dialogue, communicate, talk about the points that impact you the most in this message so that we can know them and we can continue to highlight them throughout this week. Again, follow me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to look at verses um, look like 16, 17, and 18. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, looking at verse 16. Josh, we good? Everything good? Talk to me. God bless you. All right. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want to say it again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for for you in Christ Jesus. For today, I want to start a brand new series with you guys on today that's simply titled, Why Do I Need To? You may be seated on today. The series is simply titled, Why Do I Need To? Listen, as a kid, I was a very... Mm, challenging individual. I'm not going to say I was hard-headed. I'm not going to say I was stubborn. Uh, I wasn't disobedient, maybe a little bit. I don't know. But I know for sure I was a very challenging individual. One of the things that my mom told me growing up, she said that God revealed to her that I was going to be one of those individuals that had to learn from hard knocks. In other words, you just can't tell me anything. I'm going to have to bump my head a little bit. I'm going to have to try to figure it out. And I'm going to see if this thing really works or if it does not work. And so I, I grew up making a lot of mistakes. It's just what happens. I, I make mistakes, but oftentimes, I learned from my mistakes. See, I'm the dude that can buy something. I'm the husband that buys something from Walmart. And even though they give you instructions, I don't read the instructions. I look at the picture and I begin to put it together. And oftentimes there are two or three screws left over. But you know the rule. They give you extras just in case you lose one. And, and eventually sometimes I put something together and it will lean with it and rock with it. And I, and I might have to just put frame it to the wall. And my wife would be like, you know what, that don't pose to go like that. It, it don't look like that. I was like, it looks like the picture, so this is how it's supposed to be. There got to be something missing. And she will begin to want to take it apart, which causes me to take it apart, and I have to go step by step to follow the directions. I am that individual 
that you just can't tell me anything. Can I suggest that for a long time, within the church, within our faith, people have just been telling us what to do. People have just been telling us that we need to pray. People have just been telling us that we should give God the glory. People have been telling us that we should give. People have been telling us that we should fellowship. We should witness. We should fast. We should study. A lot of people have been telling us what to do, but not everybody has told us why we should do it. And so what I want to do is I want to take the next few weeks, seven, eight, nine, however long it takes, and I want to go through some core values that have been told to us within our faith that we should do. We should rejoice. We should pray. We should give thanks. We should give. We should serve. We should fellowship. We should witness. We should fast. We should study. It's a bunch of things that I've been told I should do, but I need to know why is it that I'm supposed to do it? Why is it as a believer is this part of my conduct? Is this part of my everyday behavior? Why is it that these things hold so much power in my day-to-day walk with Christ Jesus? And so today what I want to do is I want to start it off with a simple message that simply says that I want to talk about why do I need to rejoice? Why do I need to rejoice? What is the value of rejoicing. One of the things I want to make sure that you understand before we go any further is that rejoicing has nothing to do with being happy. I want to make sure that you really comprehend that rejoicing has nothing to do with happy, being happy. And what that means is simply this. This is first point. Rejoicing is an action, not an emotion. I need you to hold fast to that, that rejoicing is an action, not an an emotion. In the text that we're dealing with on today, uh, we find the Apostle Paul writing a letter. He's actually closing out his first letter to the church of Thessalonica, and, and he's closing out this first letter to them. And in this letter, he gives them some instructions in, verse, in chapter 5. Chapter 5 is, 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 is so amazing to me because he, he applauds them about all the great things that he's done. He begins to tell them how people are going to come against them. But then he goes and he goes down to verse 12 and he begins to issue what we call Christian conduct. One of the things that he says as a believer is that, you know what, you should, you should value the people who labor in the gospel, who share the word with you, who help you lead your families. You should value them and you should hold them to high esteem. I'm not going to even deal with that because that would be tooting my own horn today. But you can read that in your own time where he says between verses 12 and 13 of how believers should view those who lead them through, through their worship in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on in verse 14 through 15, and he tells them about all the problems. Man, he says there are going to be people that are so jacked up that you have to encourage them to do better. There are going to be some people that don't have everything that they need, and you're going to have to really just get behind them and push them and drive them to do exactly what they need to do. And then he gets to verse 16 and 17 and 18, and he says these words that I've just read to you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and Everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I don't want to deal with it all today. We got weeks ahead of us, but all I want to deal with today is this concept of rejoice always. 
This is not the first time I've heard him say that. I believe that in the book of Philippians, he actually says it to them that rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. He reminds them that rejoicing is a fundamental and, mo and mostly important facet of how we should live as believers. We should rejoice. I want you to catch this because I always looked at rejoicing as saying that I always got to be happy. I have to always be okay with things, but the reality is that that's not true. Why is that a reality? It's because rejoicing is understanding that rejoicing is an action and not an emotion. I can rejoice and still be sad. I can rejoice and still be going through. I can rejoice because because a rejoicing is a decision that I make that I'm going to be willing to give God some glory, that I'm going to be thankful for everything that's in my season, no matter what it is that I'm going through. If I can be honest, this week has not been the best week for me. This has been a tough week. This has been a week of strain. I've had employee problems at work. I've had personal problems at home. And the reality is, in the midst of everything that I'm going through, I still have to find a reason to rejoice. I still have to find a reason to rejoice. And, and the reason that I need to come to understand that I must rejoice is because things could be worse. No matter what it is that you're going through right now, Things could be worse. I know you're stressed out about being at home locked up with your family during COVID, but you could be locked up with nobody. You could be an individual that's at the hospital with COVID and have nobody to come visit you. Things could be worse. You might not like how our president is, but it could be worse. So we have to find a reason and a way to always Rejoice. One of the biggest problems with us as believers is we spend so much time complaining. We spend so much time pouting about how things ain't working out right, how things ain't going well, and what we're going through, and who's, who's not with us, and who is with us. And as a result of it, we end up holding ourselves back instead of propelling ourselves forward. I don't think it's an accident that when Paul pencils this text that he says to the people, rejoice always, and then he goes and he says, pray without ceasing. I don't think it's an accident that he says, before you pray, I need you to rejoice. Can I help you understand something? If you end up getting to the point where you can rejoice before you pray, maybe your prayers won't be so full of pouting. Maybe your prayers won't be so problematic. If you can get to a point where you can say, God, I just thank you for giving me the oxygen in my lungs. God, I thank you for giving me the little money that I do have. God, I thank you for giving me the friends and family I do have. If we can get to a point to say, you know what? Things could be worse. Maybe when we pray, it wouldn't sound, it wouldn't sound to God like we're just whining and we're on a bunch of ungrateful individuals. Maybe we would actually get the ear of, Lord, of, our, of our Heavenly Father and he, he will hear our cries because he understands that we're thankful for what we have. And we're only seeking for what more he has to give us. We have to be willing to rejoice. Rejoice is not an emotion, it's an action. I can be sad and still rejoice. I can go through and 
and still rejoice because rejoicing is me making a conscious decision that says no matter what it is that I'm going through and while I'm going through it, I'm still yet going to find a way and a reason to give God praise. In spite of everybody that's against me, in spite of things that's not working out for me, I'm still going to find a way and a reason to praise. See, the reason why I struggled with rejoicing in my past understanding of rejoicing is because I thought rejoice had something to do with being happy. I thought I just had to be happy. And so when I was going through, I didn't want to rejoice. I, I spent my time pouting. I spent my time complaining. But the reality is rejoicing means that I have to be aware that where I am is nothing like where I was. That even though it may not be the ideal situation, it's still better. You know what? I, I, I spent a lot of time this week pouting like, God, I don't know how we're going to do this church thing. God, I don't, you know, people, I, don't, I can't see people. You know I'm a people person. That's why you call me to this thing. I need to see. I'm an extrovert. I need to hug. I need to talk to people. And you got me in a place where I can't even see people. How you expect me to do this? And, and what begins to happen is that the devil begins to play with your mind because he begins to play with you and make you think, well, maybe. Maybe you were not called for this. Maybe you were not ready for this. But I had to get to a point where I just said, you know what? God, I thank you for the fact that a few people are following. God, I thank you for the fact that somebody is showing up on Sunday morning. And as a result of it, I get to celebrate. Can I tell you something? Once I got to a point where I stopped complaining and pouting, I woke up this morning and didn't know who was going to be here. Got several new faces in the building. Maybe it's just because I decided to rejoice. Maybe it's because I decided to rejoice. Pastor, what are you telling me about this rejoicing element? How does this rejoicing element work? I'm glad you asked because the whole concept today is understanding why do I have to do it? Why does Paul tell me that I need to rejoice? Why, why do me as a believer do I need to live a life that may not always be happy, that may not always be peaceful, that may be problematic, but I need to find a reason and a way to rejoice in the midst of everything that I'm going through? I want to give you point number two. Point number two is one thing that we have to understand is rejoicing makes it impossible to regret. I need you to understand that on today. Rejoicing makes it impossible for you to regret. If you are smiling, you can't be frowning. You can't speak positive and negative at the same time. And so what we come to understand when we're encountering stressful situations, when we're going through hard times and trials and tribulations, the best thing that we can possibly do is rejoice. Why do we want to rejoice? It's because as long as we're rejoicing, we cannot regret. This is one of the biggest tricks of the enemy that I need to help you understand on today. Why so many of us go back to being who we used to be. Why so many of us go back to living the life that we used to live, be hooking up with who we used to hook up with, wasting and being addicted to things that we used to be addicted to. It's because we're not spending enough time rejoicing. We're not spending enough time rejoicing that, you know what, God, I know today is a struggle, but yesterday was a struggle, and somehow you brought me through yesterday, so I know you're going to bring me through today. God, I know them kids got on my nerves yesterday, but God, I made it through. I didn't do nothing to them yesterday, and I believe that you're not going to cause me to do something with them today. God, I know my husband has all type of issues. I don't know why I married that man in the first place, but at least you gave me a man. I'm going to make it through. 
through the day just like I made it through yesterday. If we can find a way to rejoice, it keeps us from regretting. This is what happens when you regret. Earlier this week, I told you I was stressed. I didn't have enough people to hug. I wasn't seeing enough people. I wasn't high-fiving enough people. I, I was worried. I, 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 was, I was losing my energy as an extrovert. I didn't have people to tell me, Pastor, you're doing a good job. I, I couldn't hear the voices that God had put in my ear before. And, and I began to question, man, am I wasting my time? Is this really something I should be doing? Am I really making an impact? And, and instantly when I began to to regret, the devil began to just play with my head. See, regret, this is what the devil does. The regret is a crack in the door that allows the devil to stick his head in. Oh, oh, you second-guessing this thing. Maybe we need to talk a little bit. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe you are wasting your time. Maybe you should just go back to just being who you used to be. At least you was happy. At least you was okay with which this is what ends up happening. This is why so many people end up in, in relationships that they know they're supposed to be in, but they end up cheating on their spouse is because they, they're, not, they're not rejoicing. They're, they're regretting. He ain't everything I thought he was going to be. He, he lied to me. He, he not doing what I need him to do. And when that regret gets in, you know what regret does? Regret gives way to doubt. Regret gives way to doubt, and before you know it, you're beginning to take on these baggages, doubt, uh, regret, uh, uh, fear. You're taking on these baggages, and uh, before you know it, you're like, you know what, I can't go any further. This is not something that I signed up for. This is not what I wanted. I thought it was going to be easier. This is not the picture that God showed me. I thought I was going to have a perfect, non-problematic life. And as a result of it, we begin to regret. But Paul says, if even in the midst of going through things, when people are not doing the right things, when people are talking about you, putting you down, when people are bearing false witness about you, you have to find the way to rejoice. Because as long as I'm rejoicing, I'm not regretting. As long as I'm rejoicing about what God is doing in my life, I'm not regretting. And, and see, this is what happens when you regret. Regret requires you to stop looking forward and begin to look backwards. And, and, and this is the thing. Many of us are not successful at walking backwards, but we're really good at walking forward. And so, and so what we do we walk wherever, ooh, this is going to be good. We walk wherever we can see. And so if we're not seeing victory, if we're not seeing breakthrough, if we're not seeing light at the end of the tunnel and we've turned our back to it and all we're seeing is addiction, lies, fornication, problems, uh, debt, if all we're seeing is that, what we're not seeing, we're walking away from and we're walking to everything that can destroy us we're walking to everything that can break us because regret is that chain that holds you back this is why paul says listen my brothers i know y'all doing some great things but i need y'all to always remember things ain't gonna be perfect but in the midst of everything not being perfect i need you to at least rejoice don't get it messed up rejoice don't mean you're gonna be happy because i don't know one person that's been happy about being locked up I, I know rejoicing don't mean that you're going to be okay with being broke because I don't know one person that's okay with being broke. But rejoicing means that in the midst of whatever I'm going through, God, I still see you. 
God, I still see you. Can I get us to the point where we can rejoice that the fact that he just never left us nor forsake us? Can I get us to the point that we rejoice even though we're going through, we're not going through by ourselves? Can I get us to the point that we know that God is yet still with us and seeing us through? This is where we have to get to as believers. You wonder why people look at you when you're going through things and they say, baby, you just got to praise God. You just got to find a way to praise your way through. Because if you can rejoice about it, then you won't regret about it. The last thing that you ever want to do is enter a relationship that you regret to be in because the first thing that you want to do is find your way out of it. You never want to be in a position where you say to God, God, I, I regret the day I ever said yes to you. God, I regret that I even gave my life to Christ. I, ever since I said yes, things just begin to go wrong. I just want to rejoice that even though they're going wrong, I'm not in it by myself. Paul says, I need you to rejoice because rejoicing allows you to understand that it's impossible to rejoice and regret. Point number two is something I need you to understand is that not only does it allow you to understand it's impossible to regret and rejoice, but rejoicing makes it possible to see past your restrictions. I need you to hold on to it today that rejoicing makes it possible for you to see past your restrictions. Pastor, what are you telling us right now? So I'm telling you that as believers, you're going to go through some things. I'm telling you that they're going to be roadblocks. They said in the text, count it all joy when you fall on diverse trials and tribulations for it's the testing of your faith and your testing of your faith produces great patience. Can I help you understand something? You're going to go through something. And now I want to tell you this, not only are you going to go through something, but you may go through it for quite some time. Patience means that it took a while. You may go through it for quite some time. But the thing about rejoicing is not only does it not allow you to regret, but it gives you the strength to begin to look past your restrictions. See, see, there are things that go on in our lives sometimes, and, and what, we, what we fail to understand is that when we focus on the problem, all we're focusing on is what we can't do. Rejoicing does not allow you to focus on the can't do's. Rejoicing allows you to focus on the can do's. See, this, this is what the issue is. Oftentimes, we, we are walking through this thing called life, and we have this picture because God has already shown us how we're going to be perfect. I'm going to get this man. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to be this happy. This is going to be my house. All of these things. But what God does not oftentimes show us, and if I can be honest with you, he does not give you the full revelation of how you're going to get it. Ooh, some of y'all didn't know that when y'all signed up. Some of y'all didn't know that when y'all signed up that he will show you the vision without giving you the full steps to get there. Why? Because if he gave you the full roadmap, then you wouldn't need him. So, so the, the vision is him showing you that I have a plan for you. But the process is what you have to lean on him for. And see, many of us on the path to, through our process to get to the plan, what we encounter is a bunch of roadblocks and as a result of it, we begin to look at those roadblocks as restrictions. And so let me help you understand. See, if regret isn't strong enough to pull you back, I gave up this, I gave up that, I, I used to be this, I used to be that. If that's not enough, then what will happen is the enemy say, if I can't get you regret, then I'm going to put some mountains in your path. 
And, and the thing is, I, when I put these mountains in your path, I'm going to make you feel like you're not big enough, that you're not strong enough to do what I need you to do, to do what you need to do, to climb over them or to move around them. And as a result of it, you begin to look at them as restrictions. Regret will pull you back, but restrictions make you stand still. Many of us as believers are spending a whole bunch of time standing still. We're stagnant is what we call it. You've been the same Christian for 20 years, and that's not a good thing. Because as disciples of Christ, you should always be evolving. You should always be learning. You should always be growing. If you know the same three scriptures that you knew from vacation Bible school when you was 10, that is problematic for you on today. There should be some level of advancement in your life somewhere or another. But somewhere you have hit a restriction. Somebody has told you you'll never go past this part. Somebody has told you you'll never be anything better than this. And so as a result of it, you became okay with being here. I had a conversation with Josh earlier this week, and I said, you know what? One of the hardest things about pastoring people is some people get up to a position of safety. They get into a position of comfort where life is just good enough. They, they are okay with where they made it. They're not where they used to be. They're not exactly where God told them to be. But they found a place the water is just warm enough. I could survive here for a while. I don't have to go any further. I don't have to push. And what happens is we stop challenging ourselves to be better than what we are. We hit a restriction that says, you know what? I remember what it was like to come overcome that last obstacle. Yeah, God, he made it through, but... I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one. Uh, I, don't, I know he brought me out of that last relationship, and, and, I, and I found myself all over again. But I don't know if I can make it through being alone again. I don't know if I can make it through that relationship. Yeah, I know I trusted him last time, and he made a way for me to pay my bills. But I don't know if I could trust him again. I don't know if I could take that sacrifice. So instead, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to play it safe because at least where I am, I'm not being pulled one way or another. I'm okay. Baseball was not my sport. I don't understand how you can sit there and just watch somebody swing bats for nine innings at a time. I, it, it, it just perplexes me and I don't get it. But if you turn a baseball game on and you have a runner on first, second, sometimes even third, and he's fast enough, he believes in himself enough, he begins to step off that base. And he'll pull his little pants up and begin to scoot. And, and when, he, when he catches the enemy looking the wrong way, he instantly takes off to steal the next base. Some of us, we don't have enough faith in the ability that God has given us. We don't have enough faith to say, you know what? I know this is where I am. I could just stay here. I made it here. But the reality is that God, I know God has something more. I'm going to take a chance at it. Many of us won't take a chance at it because we just want to stay safe. I've seen innings where guys just stay on the base the whole time. And you know what happens when they stay on the base the whole time? Somebody swings, strike, you're out. Somebody swings, strike, you out. Somebody strings, strike, you out. Three outs, guess what he has to do on that same base he's been safe on the whole time? He now has to walk off. His chance at advancing is over because things didn't line up the way he needed them to be. But he didn't want to take the risk 
and rely on the ability. Can I help you understand something? As believers, God has equipped you with the ability to steal what's next for you. Uh, he has equipped you with the ability to tell the enemy, I don't care what you put in my path. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care how fast you can throw your fastest ball. I can get there before you can get me. Can I help you understand something? That God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. That he said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And if you understand that God has declared these things, you should understand that it doesn't matter what is put in front of me. It will never stop me from reaching my destiny. But you know why it stops us? Because we're not rejoicing. We're not rejoicing. When you're not rejoicing, when you're not looking up, man, things are great, man. Life is well. What you're doing is you're looking down. Man, all these things ain't working out for me. I don't know how I'm going to make it over this, this whole, I don't know. What's next? We have to get to a point where we don't allow our regrets to pull us back. And we don't allow the lack of us reverencing God through rejoicing to put us in a position where we get distracted by the roadblocks that he put in our path, that the enemy puts in our path. Paul declares before you even pray, before you ask God for anything, rejoice. Find a minute just to be grateful for whatever it is that you got. Find a minute to just say, you know what? Things could be worse. Things could be worse. But God has yet and still pulled me through. I, I couldn't waste time complaining about, God, we ain't got nobody in the building worshiping. I don't know what I'm going to do. Jesus, you call me to this. I couldn't waste time doing all that. Because if he brought me this far, old saints used to say it like this, I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. We will make it through this. We will overcome this. But the way we're going to do it is rejoicing. I've already given you two reasons you have to rejoice. Rejoicing does not allow you to regret. Rejoicing uh, will uh, make it possible for you to see past your restrictions, but this is the last and final reason. If you don't understand anything else, I need you to understand this. Once you get past regret, once you get past your restrictions, the reason why you should rejoice as a believer is because rejoicing displays your faith and your relationship with God. When you rejoice, it displays your faith and your relationship with God. Can I help you understand something? It takes a plumb fool for somebody to say, even though things ain't working out, I still believe in you. I still love you. You still going to make a way. Can you imagine the love that my wife had to have for me back in the day when I wasn't making pennies on a dollar? And she looked at me and she was like, things going to be okay. I know you took my car and got me riding the bus, but I got faith in you. Now, listen, ladies, I'm going to tell you right now, every man you with shouldn't have you riding the bus. She just got lucky with this one. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, but she's seen something. She's seen something in me. She took a, she took a chance. She, she was that girl on that base. I'm going to try to see what's next. I'm going to see what's next. And she take a, took a chance with me. And, and uh, essentially what ends up happening is that she saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. She saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And can I help you understand something? More than she saw it in me, she saw it in what God had told her about me. And so she was not gambling on me because people will let you down. She was gambling on the fact that God told me to do this.
God told me he was the one for me. Let, let me see if this really going to work. God, I ain't had the things this boy done did. I ain't dealt with nothing from nobody else. But God, let's see in the end if this is going to work out. And I believe what happens is that when we rejoice and we don't sit there and begin to regret and we don't sit there and look at the obstacles and the restrictions in our place, what we begin to do is that we begin to exercise our faith in God. Our rejoicing begins to show the enemy, listen, I don't care who you are, what you offering, you ain't got nothing for me. I believe to think about it when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tested for 40 days. I mean, he was he was he was there for 40 days. And after that, he was tested by the enemy three times. Uh, when he begins to quote scripture, man shall not live by bread alone. Thou shall not test thy, thy God. All of these scriptures that he begins to quote to the enemy. Every time the enemy begins to offer him a way out, he begins to quote. Essentially, what he was doing was rejoicing. He was literally looking in the devil's face and saying, Nan, nanny, boo-boo, I got something over you. This is essentially what was happening in his life. Many of us, the reason why we can't rejoice and exercise our faith is because we don't know what God has told us he's going to do. We saw a vision, but we hadn't spent enough time with him giving him glory. As a believer, this is what I want to make sure that you understand. You'll never have every answer to every problem. It's never going to happen, but God does. And the thing about God is he gives you just enough to make it past where you are so that you can depend on him for where you need. Every time, it does not fade. It does not stop. But the enemy makes you think that he's left you. He's never left you. He's just waiting on you to depend on him even more. There are some things that you are supposed to be depending on God for right now. There are some things that you're supposed to be expecting him to do on your behalf. But the reality is that you're not taking the time to reverence him, to praise him, to rejoice in what he's already done for you. And as a result of it, what happens is you're getting distracted by the regret. You're getting distracted by the restrictions. And as a result of it, your relationship with God is not being fully exercised. It's not being fully exercised. My wife, let me tell y'all something. Y'all women slick. I'm just going to put it out there just like that. That's what it is. My wife, she, she left her little bank account. We got together bank accounts, and then she got her own little spending bank account. She left her little bank account open on her phone, right? And didn't know I knew she had a bank account open on her phone. And I walk around trying to be that superhero husband talking about, hey, baby, you need some more money. You need some money. Woo, woo, woo. You know, I'm trying to pull into her. I'm trying to show I got you, boo. It's all over. I looked at the numbers on her bank account. And I told myself, I ain't asking this girl nothing else. How's <laughs> she doing a stockpiling? <laughs> but she has no problem accessing what she knows is hers through her husband. I asked her the other day. I was like, hey, do you need some money? And, I, and she's like, I mean, if you want to give it to me, you can give it to me. That's her statement. I know what that means now. I, I'm good, but if you want to give it to me, you can give it to me. I understand. You ain't fooling nobody. And, 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 and so I said, okay, cool. I'm good. What you need? Let me make sure I drop it off. I'm good. I, I did a little extra job on the side. What you need? What you want? And uh, whatever you want to give me, I'm okay with that language don't sound like language now that I looked at them numbers that a woman in need. She was like, whatever you want to give me, I'm okay with. 
Can I suggest today that as believers, we should have that same level of relationship with God? God, if you want to give it to me, I'm going to take whatever you give me. Whatever you want to give me, I'm okay with. When you know that you're connected to something that got you, that's covered you, that has provided everything that you could possibly ever need, then you should be understanding that, you know what, God, whatever you have for me, you have for me. This is, see, we, next week we're going to talk about why we should pray. But can I help you understand something? When you begin with rejoicing, it puts you in the right perspective to pray. It puts you in the right posture to pray because oftentimes if you don't go to God rejoicing like, man, he did this. Man, he came through. This is where you're going to go to God. Man, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm tired of everything that I'm going through. I'm tired. And so rejoicing puts us in the right posture to pray. It puts us in the right position to go to God in the manner that we should go to him. But many of us can't get there. We are not rejoicing. Why? Because we're so busy letting the enemy fill our head with regret. We're so busy allowing the enemy to put restrictions in our path and make us feel like we're never going to reach what's next for us. We're so busy worrying about our relationships with others that we're not worrying about our relationship with God. So as I close, this is what I want to share with you on today. You ask me, why do I need to rejoice? It's because rejoicing is the one thing that can take you from where you are to exactly where you need to be. Rejoicing is the one thing that guarantees that what is going on behind you will not pull you back. Find a way to be thankful for where you are in life, to give God glory for what he's done. You're not always going to be happy, but rejoicing is not an emotion. It's an action. It's an action. It's something you you just want to do. Can I help you understand that Fridays I love cashing a check, but Monday through Thursday I don't like always punching the clock. But because I love to cash a check, I go and I punch a clock. Because I love to receive what God has for me, I have to be willing to give him what he deserves. God, you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve everything that I can give you. And if it's simply me declaring that I'm grateful for what you've done for me, then that's at least what I can do. Paul writes to them. He writes to them and he says, in the midst of everything going wrong, in the midst of people trying to persuade you to not do right, you already know that Christ Jesus died for you. You already know that he loves you. And as a result of it, you have to be willing to always rejoice. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been an able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion, you're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. 
We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.